All right, come on, church. Let's get excited about this new series. Yeah. Man, y'all ain't stoked enough. Must be hot in here or something. Y'all okay? Good, good. Hey, let's go ahead and honor our new guests. Some are first time, but let's thank God for them. Thank you for being with us today. We're grateful for you. You could be anywhere else. You could be in AC. <laughs> I won't belabor that anymore. But you're with me for two hours, so uh, let's get. <laughs> Woo, tough crowd, tough crowd. All right, we ready? All right, cool. Hey, I want to make a quick announcement. Um, I want to invite you, if, if you have not yet, or maybe you've been praying about it, uh, becoming a superhero and serving here at Highlight Church. Today is week one of what we call Super Steps, and uh, it's a two-week journey. Uh, next week, today is week one. You, you, just, you get a chance to hear the vision of the church, our values, what we stand for, and uh, where we're going. And then uh, next week, we will go ahead and take a spiritual gifts test. I believe that God has put gifts on the inside of you to serve his purposes in the world. And it starts within the local church. So if you want to start to make a difference in someone's life, maybe that, that's not happening in your workplace. Maybe it's not happening in your neighborhood. But if you want to start making a difference in someone's life, we'd love to, to have you join our team. And uh, that'll be week two next Sunday. But week one starts today in about an hour, and uh, food and child care will be provided. So we'd love to see you in Super Steps. All right. So starting a brand new series today called The Process. And um, I love it because we're in a, we just left the season, my wife and I, during the spring, where both of my boys are playing uh, baseball. My youngest one, he plays t-ball. And my oldest one, he's playing regular baseball, and so um, Jay has played many positions, our oldest one, our 10-year-old, he's played catcher, shortstop, first base, outfield, he's all over the place. About six months ago or so, he started to pitch, he began pitching, and so we, we, we encouraged him, and we said, all right, son, you, you don't really play, play pitcher, you, you play catcher, and so I just want to encourage you that what we want to work on first is accuracy. Let's just get it to the catcher. I don't care how slow you're pitching it, get it to, get it inside the box. Let's get it in the box. I don't care if someone hits a home run, let's just work on accuracy, accuracy. And then we can start to work on speed. Because if you're not accurate, you're just going to throw it and you're going to hit someone, you're going to walk someone, or just going to ball, 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 and now everyone's walking around the bases and scoring points on you. And so, because now he's learning about these new types of pitches, curveball and switch up and knuckleball and all that stuff, and he's excited, and so we'll be at home, and he's throwing all these different types of pitches, but they're all over the place. And we want to start him out with the fundamentals, you know, and the fundamentals can sometimes last two or three years before you master them so that you can move on to something more, more creative, more, more versatile. The point is, is that it's a process. It's a process. A lot of us, we, we want to do more or we want more, but we have to realize that one of the ways that God operates, one of the major ways he operates in our lives is through a process. And if I could put a big theological word to it, that word there is sanctification. It's God moving in your heart to, to, to develop you to look more like Jesus. It, it's a process. And so... Um, we're going to be studying about the character of Joseph here in Genesis in just a few, few minutes. Joseph went from a shepherd boy at the age of 13. And by the time he was 30 years old, he became the most powerful man in all of Egypt. So, I'm sorry, from 17 to 30, which was 13 years. It was 13 years of a process. God gave him two dreams where he would end up on top, like I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to use you. You're going to be a person of influence, and I'm going to take you big places. But it was a process of 13 years. And so a lot of times we're, we're asking God, hey, God, bless us and, and use us and do these great things in our lives, do these miracles. It could be an example of, you know, money or parenting, like, God, fix my kids or 
fix my finances or do this thing in my life. And God is like, I want to do that in your life. And he'll even show you a vision or a picture of it. He'll show you the relationship. He'll show you your kids prospering. He'll show you that thing that you want to see. But he's not as interested in giving us that thing as he is in us becoming the person that can manage and multiply and steward that thing. And so, once again, Joseph has these big, amazing dreams at the age of 17, but it takes him 13 years to actually see it unfold and to come to pass. And so the process is this. I want to go ahead and give us a definition to this series. And it's this. The process is a series of ups and downs designed to produce the best you. A series of ups and downs designed to produce the best you. If you want to go ahead and put a dash there, it's God's method of fulfilled vision. A series of ups and downs to produce the best you. It's God's method of fulfilled vision. So any vision that God gives to you, he's going to first work on you in order for you to to get there. And so we want to give this message a title. If you're taking notes, the message is, this is the process. It's not going to be on the screens. This is the process. Going to go ahead and go to Genesis 37, verses 1 through 22. You ready? Okay, two people. All right, so. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Verse 3, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob made a special gift for Joseph, a beautiful robe, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't stand him, or they couldn't say a kind word to him. Verse 5, one night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up. And your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you'll be our king, do you? You actually think you will reign over us. And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way, the way, pick up on that, the way he talked about them. There is a way that you can present something that God has laid on your heart that either attracts people or repels people. And we're going to deal with that here in a few minutes. We're going to deal with Joseph. But it's the way he talked about it. Verse 9. Soon Joseph had another dream. Wow, God's just laying it out. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, you chumps. I got another dream. He said this. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed before me. This time, he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers. And his father scolded him. Now, Jacob is Joseph's father, so if you, you know, Judaism, the, the patriarchs of Judaism, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob had 12 sons, Joseph was number 11. It's through those 12 sons that we get the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. And so um, Jacob had four, four wives, Leah, Bilhah, Zilpah, and Rachel. Rachel was, was Joseph's mother. We could do an entire series on Jacob, too. God put him through a process as well. Right now, Jacob has the favor of God on his life. Unlike any other person in the earth, God is really with Jacob. But now Joseph is on the come up. And he says this here, midway through verse 10, Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were Joseph of, jealous of Joseph, his father wondered, what the dreams meant. I love that. So the siblings are hating on him, but as a parent, they're like, all right, this, this is a little fishy. You're tripping. 
But because I love you, I'm going to consider what God may be doing into your life. I want to speak into your potential because I'm your parent, you know. I'm not familiar with you like your siblings, like your peers. I'm going to see if this actually comes to pass. Verse 12. <clears throat> Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to the pasture, uh, went to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. When they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go. Verse 14. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along. Then report to me. Verse 15, when he arrived, a man in the area noticed that he had been wandering the countryside. What are you looking for? I'm looking for my brothers. Do you know where they are? Verse 17, yes, the man told him. They moved on from here. But I heard them say, let's go on to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan. So his brothers are getting him outside of the covering of his father. They're taking him further out. Verse 18, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. All right, so we're getting him far away, and now let's do it. Let's kill him. I love this. This, this lets you into the, into the mindset of the enemy. Let's get, let's get him far away from the church. Let's get him far away from healthy relationships. Let's get him far away from the word of God. And this is an, ant this is a, a, an antidote or, or, or a device of the enemy or design of the enemy to tear down what God wants to do in your life. And it says this, here comes the dreamer. They couldn't even look him in his eye or call him by his name because they had such a disdain for who he was. They were around him, but they'd be, I don't like him. I don't like how he interpreted that dream. It didn't mean that. They couldn't, they didn't like him, <laughs> you know. And so it says this here, let's throw him in one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal was eating him. So now it's just getting worse. They're prowling him, and they're about to create a lie. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. This is a tactic of the enemy. He doesn't care about God giving you a vision or giving you a dream as long as he can keep you away from God, as long as he can keep you lazy, as long as he can keep you complacent, as long as he can keep you out of your prayer closet. He doesn't care about the dream. God can show you a business. He can show you about your kids and, and your marriage. He doesn't care about that as long as he has his hands around your throat. Yeah. Satan doesn't care about the dream. Let's kill the dreamer. If we kill the dreamer, the dream won't come to pass. And so here it is here. He says, uh, do, 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 do. he says this, I love it. But when Reuben, verse 21, the oldest son is Reuben, heard their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him. Why should we shed any blood? All right, guys, like, calm down. Let's just throw him in the cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. You got to lay a hand on him to throw him in the cistern. Like, what are we talking about, Reuben? Either we're going to kill him or we not. Take a stand. Be on someone's side. Because if you don't, you're going to cause a greater evil. And that's kind of where the spirit of our culture is right now, right? Like, well, you know, just leave them alone. Don't judge them. You say whatever you want, but leave them alone. Now, you know you're wilding out. You need to calm down, but don't say anything to them. Like, we're just in the middle. Let everyone do everything and don't say anything about it. And God's word doesn't have anything to say about it. We don't take a stand about anything in our generation. And what we're doing is we're opening the door to a greater evil in our nation. And this is many different. We're not talking about any one issue. We're talking about many issues. It's the way our posture is. It's the spirit of Reuben on America right now. And so he goes on and he says this. He says, return to the father. He'll die without. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So the intent was there, but we don't know if it's going to happen. What we're going to do in this process here is we're going to take a few things with this opening message, a few characteristics of Joseph, and then we'll take two takeaways at the end. And I'll have you out of here around 2 o'clock. So it says this here. All right, we're ready. Great. Number one, Joseph was responsible. Go ahead and write that down. Joseph was responsible. The Bible says he tended to his father's sheep. He tended to his father's sheep. That word tend means to feed or to take care of. And flocks or sheep represent it in this culture, two things, because a lot of us, we, we want to, hey, God, raise me up, use me. <laughs> it represented two things, wealth right. 
and influence over people. Wealth and influence over people. So he was, he was responsible with someone, el- ooh, ooh, with someone else's wealth. I'm going to go to someone that's really in. And he was responsible with someone else's influence. Right? Thus, if you remember the verses, we see that he tended to the sheep before God gave him a dream. God will, will only trust you with something greater when he sees that he can trust you with what you already have in your hand. So what he had in his hand, what do, what do we have in our hands right now? Uh, our jobs, our schoolwork, my students, our relationships, our, our parents, parents, our kids. How are we stewarding these things in our lives? How are we, are we just kind of, uh, I won't study until, you know, the test comes. You know, if you're smart like that, do that. But are you, are you preparing? Are you, you know, how are you stewarding the things that you have in your hands? The occupation, this shepherd occupation was given to two types of people, young men and those who do, young men and also those who, do, who did not qualify for astute positions in society. Jacob trusted Joseph with his most valuable assets because Joseph was responsible. This is a part of the process. God can show you something. And, and, and he can have it timeline for 2025. But just because God shows it to you, it does not mean it's going to happen. It's his responsibility to show it to you, to promise it to you. It's your responsibility to be responsible. And so what God is looking at, he's looking at July 7th. 2019, how did they wake up? What was the attitude? What was the mindset? July 8th, Monday, 11 a.m., before lunch, how are they treating their supervisors? Are they being diligent in their work? Are they, are they treating their customers well? Are they studying? Are they on top of it? I'm looking to see if this is, the, if this is still the person for that thing I got timeline in 2025. So Joseph was responsible. Everything that God has given us is valuable in his eyes. It is valuable. It is valuable. It is valuable. It is valuable. Everything that God has given us, our spouses, our schooling, Lord Jesus, our church, it is valuable. It is it's valuable. Our relationships, our money, our, it is, all of it is so valuable in the eyes of God. And so what we got to begin to ask ourselves, if you're taking notes, is this. Am I growing and making this thing better? Am I growing it? Am I tending to it? So, so Joseph would, you know, caress the sheep, wash the sheep, feed the sheep, take the sheep on walk, protect them if a wolf or a bear would come, he would... He would kill the bear, kill the wolf. He, he would care for his father's possessions. God set me free and deliver me and give me the home and, and take me somewhere and take me places and do all this and do all that. God's like, can, can you take that pencil and sharpen it so you can use it? I'm, I'm going to give you a pencil. I'm going to give you a pencil before I give you a pen of authority. My dad said that to me a long time ago. He said, son, do you, I, I've shared this here before. He said, son, do you know what the most powerful tool is in the world? I was little. I was like eight or seven or something. I said, uh, a gun. He said, uh, that's close. I said, hmm, an atomic bomb? <laughs> you know how you make crazy faces when you're young. Like, an atomic bomb? Like, just talk. Like, uh, that's close. He said, son, the most powerful tool in the world is an ink pen. I didn't get it then, but I get it now. Like, like what, what's that journey that you got to take to get from the dull pencil and you got to get it sharp and you're diligent for enough years to sit behind a desk to sign off on something like an atomic bomb? That, that, that's someone that God can trust. And might I add, if you get to the place where you're able, now I'm just talking in parallels and principles, so you got to catch this. If you get to the point where you're able to sign off on, a, on an atomic bomb, do you have self-control to not sign off on an atomic bomb even when you have good reason to? 
God, give me, put me in that big position. Sharpen your pencil. Make your bed. Brush your teeth. Jesus said, even when you fast, do your hair. Get a haircut. Be excellent. And what's in your hand? Somebody better clap because I know that this is good. Joseph was responsible. Lord, I'm a, I'm a, no, I'm going to keep going. Joseph had favor with the right people. This is good. This is the process. Joseph had favor with the right people. Now, we just read where Jacob, i got to get my J's right. Jacob made a, made a beautiful coat for Joseph. Many other Bible translations says that this was a tunic or a, a, a coat of many colors, right? So NLT is very basic, so if you're not careful, you can miss a lot of context. It's a coat of many colors. And uh, this coat of many colors represented uh, three things. It represented favor, in which the Bible says that when you come to Christ, we have undeserved favor. Like the favor of God is actually on your life. It, it is. And if you steward it well, whew, the thing, ooh, man, your life. So you got, it represented favor. Number two, it represented priestly standing. Yeah. If you're taking notes, number three, it represented birthright. Now, this was interesting because the birthright went to the oldest son, which would have been Reuben. But Jacob had a plan to give the birthright to Joseph, which was son number 11. Joseph came from Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel. But like I said, it was a process. Dang, your favorite wife? He was also a second, she was also a second wife, but it took years until she could conceive a child. Jacob went through a process, too. It's just a family of process. I just think faith is a process, right? And so another thing about this coat is that Jacob's, Joseph's coat would have reached down to his wrists and would have went all the way down to his ankles. A normal coat, which his brothers would have had, would have been one color, maybe brown, gray. It would have reached here and about here. His brothers would have had a coat that represented manual labor, yeah. out in the sun, hard times. Nothing wrong with that. That's honest work. But his coat represented privilege and status. So anytime they would see Joseph walking, that's why they would get jealous. Dad loves you more. There's that dreamer. There's that guy. Joseph had favor with the right people. Favor with the right people is so important. And I also think we're living in a time of spirituality where it's like, I just follow God. I don't follow man. I don't honor man. I don't respect man. And God's like, that's not even the way I operate. <laughs> I put you under people. And I want to give you favor with the right people. Favor with the right people will do three things. Go ahead and write this down. Favor with the right people will, number one, process us. Jacob was Joseph's supervisor. And he put Joseph through a process to get him better. Here, son. Here, a ten sheet. Six months later, here 20. Yeah. As a loving father, you want to continue to add weight onto your kids. Here's 30. Year later, here's 50. Here's some chairs from the church. Hey, church, here's a hot worship experience. It may be hot for the rest of the summer. But if I can't process you in an 85-degree room, how, how am I going to give you a $1 million building one day? Come on, church. We're being processed. You got to see it. You got to see it. This, this is the process. We're only two years old. <laughs> this is the process. You know what I mean? So he'll give you favor with the right people to process you. And you don't want to get offended by that. Dang, Dad, man, you already gave me 50 sheep. No, no, no. Bring it on. Give me 60. Give me that assignment. I'll come early. I'll stay late. I'll be excellent. So he'll give you favor with the right people to process you. Number two. He'll give you favor with the right people to protect you. I just believe because we're in Jesus, we do go through a lot of stuff. 
But there is so much more that's not happening to us because we're covered by Jesus Christ. And the same can be translated in the natural where, where God will give you favor with the right people and they're deflecting problems. No, he doesn't need to see that. She doesn't need to see that. She doesn't need to go through that. He doesn't need to go through that. I went through that for him. I like this kid. I'm going to see about this person. I'm going to raise this person up. The third thing that favor with the right person does is he gives us favor with the right people to promote us. To promote us. I mean, look at it. The birthright was supposed to go to the oldest son. It was going to go to number 11. So as his supervisor, he processed him, Jacob. As his father, he protected him, thank God. And as his leader, he was going to promote him from number 11 to number 1. And when you received the birthright, you got twice as much as your other siblings. So what does this all mean? Favor with the right people. What does this look like in our lives? Well, this looks like this. Favor with the right people will get you into places that you're not supposed to be in. It'll get you places that you're not, you're not qualified to be, you're not educated enough to be, you're not connected enough to be, but for whatever reason, God has put me in this room, he's put me in this position, and God wants to give you favor with the right people. The second thing is it gives us opportunities that others wish that they had. Favor with the right people. It is such a biblical thing. Opportunities that others wish they had. And number three, favor with the right people brings us close to people that we shouldn't even know. Favor, the favor of God on your life. Number three, Joseph was immature. And and to build this out a little more, let me get this right. Joseph was responsible with everyday things. Or he was responsible with his performance, yet he was immature in his interaction with people. So he was a great worker, Jason, but he was immature with people. And just go ahead and write this down. Immaturity is poison to the plan of God for your life. So yes, it took him 13 years. But had he managed his relationships with his brothers the right way, I beg to think, would it have taken him 13 years? But immaturity in our interactions with people is poison to the process. History records a a gentleman named Andrew Carnegie, very wealthy man. Back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, he had 50 executives on his team. In modern day, he'd be a billionaire times 10 or whatever. 50 executives on his team, and he would hire executives sometimes for one character trait. He's not good at that? Okay, fine. But he's good at that. He's a master at that. She's not good at that? All right, that's fine. But she's good at that, and I need that on my team. She's not good at those five things, but I need her to focus on this one thing. And so there's a guy named Charles Schwab that he hired, the, the first guy that he paid a million dollars to. He gave Charles Schwab 75000 for a salary for the work that he did. But every year, he would give him a $1 million bonus for one reason, quote, unquote. Andrew Carnegie. The reason I give him $1 million bonus is because he has the ability to arouse enthusiasm in people. You're giving this joker $1 million because he smiles at people? Because he respects people? Because he honors people? 
because he makes people better. Because when he comes to work, he's not thinking about him, but he's thinking about people. Because when he comes to church, he's not thinking about him. He's thinking about people. You give this joker a million dollars bonus. Lord Jesus. But we see with Joseph, I got a dream. Mom, dad, listen, sit down. Joseph like, Jacob like, hey, hey, slow down. <laughs> Hold on, son. Like, I, I've been through some things with God, and God had to humble me. I don't want you to go through what I had to go through. But I'll keep it in my head, and I'll pray for you. Because of how he treated people. It's like, you know, you, you go to um, establishment sometimes, and you go up to order your food. Hey, how you doing? Welcome to, what would you like? Are you Okay. Yeah, I'm doing good. What you want? What you want? What you going on? Well, uh, I'll take a number. Or God forbid you come to Highlight and it's like, hey, uh, worship experience in there. Go ahead and have a seat in a kid's room. Hold on. Where can I check in my kids again? God forbid. Like, please find another church. If you're a superhero and you're acting like that, please. It doesn't represent your pastor. It doesn't represent your savior. It doesn't represent the word. It doesn't represent where God wants to take you. Please put a smile on it. Hey. Joseph was immature. So he, he, was, he, he had favor with the right people, but he was immature in his, in his interactions with all people. With all people. He joked, but he didn't tell the right jokes. He joked at the wrong time. He was late. when he, You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he was immature, and it's poisonous to your process. And that's why I love the local church, shameless plug, because it allows us to come in on a Sunday and to just say, Lord, I'm, I'm ready to smile. I'm ready to, to plug it in and, and tape it up and, and, and put on a fan, and I'm ready to raise my hands and come in with the spirit of excellence, with the spirit of praise, with the spirit of joy. God, train me on a Sunday so that when you take me into the real world, on Monday I'm smiling, I'm on time, I'm tidied up, I'm ready to go. Y'all don't want to clap about this, but you want a dream and you want a vision, you got to get into this one. Joseph was immature. The ability to arouse enthusiasm in people. A million dollars? What? I don't care about his paperwork. I'll give him 75 grand for that. How does he treat people? Because this is the issue. We're living in a society right now. Lord, I should share stats with you about Generation Z and uh, kids between uh, 4 and 24 and where we're going biblically and just how, whoo, Lord, my God. 3% of kids between the age of 4 and 24 read their Bible on a weekly basis. It is not going in a good direction. But, but, but we're going we're gonna to do something about that as the local church and the global church. But um, beyond that, like, immaturity, it, 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 we got to come up. We got to come up. We got to be a little bit, we got to be a little bit different. The verse says this here, and uh, I think I got Proverbs 3, 3 through 4, it says this here. Never let loyalty, whew, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Here it is. Watch this. Then you will find favor with both God and people. And you will earn a good reputation. You've heard that saying, your reputation precedes you? Meaning like before you even get to a place, the people have already heard about who you are. So never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Then you will find favor with people. Ask yourself this. Go ahead and write this down. How, how are my interactions with five groups of people? Number one, my family. How are my interactions with, number one, my family? My leaders? Spiritual, secular, school, my leaders, my peers, the next generation, and my customers. This is ancient Jewish wisdom. They, they, Jews 
prided themselves on being excellent with their family, their leaders, their peers, the next generation, and their customers. Oh, man. Am am I life-giving? Am I encouraging? Am I mature in my interactions? Y'all okay? All right. It's the process. Lean in. I know it's hot. It's such a good start to such a fitting series for the AC not to work. Come on, give God a praise. Come on, clap it. Clap it. He's still good. I know it's hot, but he's still good. He's still good. Such a fitting start. Woo! Here it is. Verse 23. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe. Verse 24. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. They put their hands on him. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Verse 25. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a cavern of camels in a distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders. These were their cousins, y'all. Ishmael and Isaac. And it's a long story, too. But anyway. Who were Midianite traders came by Joseph's brothers, pulled him out of the cistern, and they sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. Verse 29. Some time later, Reuben returned to get Joseph. So he did return, but he was not there. Verse 30. Then he went back to his brothers and lamented, the boy is gone. What will I now do? What will I do now? Verse 31. Then the brothers killed a young goat, dipped the robe in the blood. Verse 32. Uh, they sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look, we've, what we have found, doesn't this robe belong to your son? Not our brother, your son. Like, I love that. When, when the boys act up, that's your son. You know, it's not my baby. It's your son. All right, like, when you're mad with someone, that's your baby. It ain't my baby. I don't know where you get that from. All right, verse 33. Woo, it's hot. Here we are. Verse 33. Their father recognized it immediately. Yes, he said, it is my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. Verse 34. Then Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap. This was customary in this day. When you were mourning, you would, uh, and then you would put dust on your head, and you're just in, in a season of mourning. His family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. Leave me alone. My baby is gone. I will go to my grave mourning for my son. Um, he would say, and then he would weep. Meanwhile, meanwhile, The Midianite traders arrived in Egypt where they sold Joseph to Potiphar. Who's the guy with the funny name? He is an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar is the leader of the secret service. Meanwhile, he took him somewhere that was right in the direction of the dream. So this is the point here is this, is that the process will take us places we don't want to go. Joseph was beaten and stripped and and locked in a cistern and sold. No one wants to be beaten and stripped and locked away and sold. Joseph ended up in places he didn't want to go. I think about people like Abraham Lincoln and MLK. So many people struggle as they pursued the dream and the vision that God put on their hearts. Some even died en route of it. But... It was where they needed to be. It may have not been where they wanted to be, but it was where they needed to be. Some of you right now, you're in a season, you're asking God to get you out of it. I want to lovingly encourage you. He may not get you out of it just yet. Because it's where you need to be. There was no change of hearts in the Midianites. Potiphar didn't say, oh, he looks Jewish. He looks Hebrew. Let's return him back to his land. Let's take him back to Canaan. He didn't say that. It just got deeper and deeper and deeper and worse and worse and worse. And I'm not saying that God wants to punish you. I'm not saying that God wants to beat you up. But it's where you need to be because it's in that place where you're learning, you're growing, 
you're becoming more responsible, you're going to become mature, and you're becoming the person that God is actually going to give the dream to one day. So he's not where, Aaron, you're with me. So he's not where he wants to be, but he is where he needs to be. And if I were with Joseph, because many of us know the end of the story, this is what I'd say to him, last point, God is faithful. It's going to be about 13 years, but God is faithful. <laughs> God is faithful. I remember in uh, summer of 2014, I, I've often told this story before, but uh, the summer of 2014 was the toughest summer of, of our marriage and our lives. I've told the story before. And, uh, but it was the same summer where God had commissioned me to create outreach partnerships with schools um, of kids who were hungry throughout the summer and they didn't have any food. So we were on government assistance living on $500 a month as a family of almost four, if you add Nemo, about four and a half. And uh, it's this, got some pictures here that summer, we call these kids packs. And that day I, I shed tears when I left the house, wondering, man, what are we gonna eat as a family? But yet, God, you're, I'm pastoring and you're calling me to, you know, I remember that day, like that Chevy Malibu was filled with brown bags. I called my other friend over here at a Nissan Altima. He filled his trunk with brown bags and we went on over to the school. And uh, I think the thing I love the most is that my baby boy was with, with us at the time, Jaziel, who is now 10. And the kids were just about to finish school and this was a week's worth of food that we were giving over 200 kids. And we have to do it every other week. And we would consistently wonder like, okay, God, where's the relief? But we found out God was faithful. I'm calling you to put other people first. I'm trusting you with flocks. I'm trusting you with resource. I'm trusting you with things because of what I've showed you. So we got the vision of Highlight in 2012. This is 2014, where we're on government assistance, not having food, but having to feed people. And then this, Judah was born about four months later. He had been the reason that Pastor Kyra had to go on bed rest five months into her pregnancy. But this was such a bright spot in that year, 2014. Still going through tough times. Still didn't know where the next meal was going to come from, but God's faithful, and the baby came. I call this one dead tired with a flat tire. So this is March of 2015. I've transitioned out of our old church. We're in between our old church and planning highlight, and I've been invited to speak at Indian Pentecostal Church out near Disney. I just finished a 12-hour night shift. It's about 8 o'clock in the morning, and I'm tired. So I am go home, get some sleep, get up that evening to go and preach at the church. I'm walking to my car that morning. Whew. Open my door. Flat tire. I had already prepared a message called Undefeated Underdog. And God said, okay. You're about to spend an extra two, three hours changing this tire by yourself in this garage. Just processing. I know I gave you a big dream. Yeah. I know it hurts. But I'm faithful. I'm faithful. I'm faithful. I'm faithful. I'm here. You can cry. You can be upset. You can be mad. But I'm faithful. I'm faithful. And then later that evening, I preached it, undefeated underdog. And in the front row was Chow Tran, your connections director. And uh, he came up to me after the service and he said, Pastor, I feel called to whatever it is God has put on your heart. Wherever you're moving, I'm going. But I, I want to give you something, and I got to talk to my wife first. About three weeks later, they set us down for lunch, paid for the lunch, took out an envelope and slid it across the table. 
what's, what's this, man? <laughs> we took it. We opened it in our car. At the time, there was $500 in Highlight's checking account. We had been, me, Chris, and Kyra, we had been putting money in it for three months. 500 bucks. We bought start a church. We opened that sucker. It was $3,000 in there from Chow and Chrissy Tran, who now leads your kids' ministry and who connects people to Jesus every single week. They're changing lives, and they're not even on full-time staff right now. I'm faithful. God is faithful. And then uh, we came here June 2015. I stood atop of Gaithersburg High School, the football field. This is the scene I always tell you guys about where God spoke to me. He said, I'm calling you here to start this church. We're going to take over the DMV. I just felt the peace of God as I was going back to Orlando. He said, people are hurting here. They need a church home here. They need hope. And I'm sending you and your team here. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm faithful. I'm faithful. He's faithful. And then a week ago, Pastor Kyra and I had the honor of being invited to the White House as this current administration briefed us on how the government is partnering with the local church to try to make a difference in the local needs of the area. We had no business being in that room. The next couple to us was 10, 12 years older, associates in nursing, bachelors in molecular cellular biology. We're not PKs, we're not preacher's kids. Just had a dream from God and we're willing to endure, endure the process. And when you're willing to endure the process, you can go from utilizing government assistance to now the government asking you for your assistance. That is the faithfulness Woo! of God. I need us to all stand to our feet and praise God. Come on, stand to your feet. Come on, stand to your feet and give God praise. If you want to see miracles, if you want to see yourself develop, if you want to see God move, let's give him a praise. He's faithful. He's good. He's loving. He's kind. He's faithful. Hallelujah! Yeah! Stay to your feet, please. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know, Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. To work together for the good, everything. The bad, the good, the indifferent, everything. Hot mornings at Redland Middle School, everything. We got more people to save. We got more lives to change. We got more cities to reach. We're moving on! He's faithful. He's good. Come on, church. Yeah. This ain't nothing. This ain't nothing. We're two years. Got more. We got more. We got more. You have more. God is faithful. It's going to come to pass. That spouse is going to come. You're going to have that kid. That career breakthrough is going to come. That promotion is going to happen. He's faithful. Don't quit. Don't give up. Press in. Trust in God. Keep praying. Keep giving. Keep worshiping. Keep loving. Don't get tired. Keep praying. Keep giving. Keep worshiping. Keep praising. You're just getting started. Hallelujah. You're just getting started. Hallelujah. Last thing. Last thing, could it be that the very spot you're in right now, could it be that God is going to use that very spot, this very season, to prosper you? 
Joseph is not where he wants to be, but he is where he needs to be. God is faithful. Come on, church, let's pray. Father, we love you. We honor you. We give you all the glory and all the praise, Jesus. We thank you that you are faithful and you are good. And with you, all things are possible. Now, with every head bowed, I want to invite you into a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you don't know Christ this morning. You know church. You know religion. But you don't know Christ. And he loves you. Or maybe you know Christ, but you haven't been walking with him. He's calling you home today. And he's drawing you with loving kindness. So we're going to pray this together. Go ahead and repeat after me. Say, Father God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Forgive me for my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Make me yours. I will walk with you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. If that was your first time praying that prayer or you're coming back to Jesus, go ahead and raise your hand today. We want to encourage you. Go ahead and raise that hand and raise it high. Raise it high. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, let's celebrate this. This is salvation. Hallelujah. Come on. We have a gift for you. God bless you. Hallelujah. We have a gift for you today. God bless you. We love you. God loves you. Your best days are ahead. Come on, church. Let's celebrate. Love you guys. You can have your seat. God bless you. See you later. Thank you.